0: I'm Alec Lace, welcome to First Class Fatherhood Welcome everybody to episode 615 of the podcast I am happy as always to be here with you, thank you for stopping by If this is your first time listening to the podcast, please get over there and bang that subscribe button You don't want to miss all the action coming your way right here on First Class Fatherhood All right, dads, we are going to have some big changes coming to First Class Fatherhood soon. I am excited to share some really awesome news with you guys over the next coming weeks, so be sure you lock it into First Class Fatherhood. Today, I've got a great guest for you guys. Kurt Schlichter joins me on the podcast. Kurt is many things. He is a successful trial lawyer in the LA area. He is a U.S. Army colonel who served in Operation Desert Storm, Operation Enduring Freedom, and wears the silver jump wings of a paratrooper. He commanded the elite first squadron 18th cavalry regiment he's also done stand-up comedy and has grown quite a following on social media twitter in particular he is the author of four best-selling number one books on amazon he's got a latest book that dropped yesterday will be back the fall and rise of america we're going to talk about that and so much more i'm excited to have him on the podcast today kurt schlichter will be here with me in just a few minutes so please stick around for the interview And today's interview with Kurt Schlichter was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch today's conversation, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right. And yesterday kicked off the NFL Hall of Fame Media Day sessions. There's going to be a few of them. I was invited by the NFL to bring First Class Fatherhood to the Media Day. Yesterday, I spoke with Bryant Young of the San Francisco 49ers and head coach Dick Vermeel. I'm going to bring all the sound bites to you guys once it's all completed tomorrow. Uh, they have a session with Tony Baselli, Leroy Butler, Richard Seymour. So once I have all the clips together, I'm going to put them together in one little special package to hit you guys with it. Always an honor to be invited to things like this. I'm very humbled that the NFL has brought me to so many Super Bowls. Uh, the last four I've been able to participate in. Uh, the Hall of Fame this is my second year doing it. So pretty cool stuff. I'll be dropping the clips, the highlights, and a special episode once I have everything together for that. And if you're going to be buying tickets for next year's NFL season, get yourself over to SeatGeek.com and buy 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 your tickets over there. Right now, baseball is the hottest thing going. Bring your kids to a baseball game. It's a summer tradition. Also, if you're going to go see a concert, buy your tickets on SeatGeek.com or use that SeatGeek app and plug in that promo code FIRSTCLASS. That's one word, Class," and you will save $20 on your tickets. All right, be sure you guys are following me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. And as always, please help me spread the word about the podcast every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list. Let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. Fatherhood rocks, family values rule, and every day is Father's Day right here with me. And I'm going to be right back with Kurt Schlichter. I'm Alec Lace, and you're listening to First Class Fatherhood. Joining me now, First Class Father, Kurt Schlichter. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, let's start out like this. How many kids do you have? How old are they? Oh, God, I got two, 16 and 18. Very cool. What kind of sports activities are they into? That's a great question.
1: (laughs) They just do stuff. They're (laughs) off doing their things. I don't have to cart them around anymore. So it's not, you know, it's not like I got to uh, take them off to... Yeah, soccer all the time now. Uh, that's the nice thing. Look, the 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 whole thing is a uh, uh, fatherhood is a series of steps where the children become more independent, uh, and uh, each of them is a wonderful uh, uh, a a wonderful gateway into uh, uh, freedom, uh, both for you and for them.
0: Yeah, my oldest is sixteen. I got four kids myself. He just uh, started a job. Uh, you know, for the summer, so it's good to start seeing them get on their way there. So there's no doubt about that, getting their way to that independence. Uh, if you could, Kurt, please just take one minute here to hit my listeners with a little bit about your background and what you do. Oh jeez, I do
1: a lot of things. Uh, retired army colonel, I'm a trial lawyer in LA. I write uh, t- columns at Town Hall. I got the new book, "We'll Be Back: on Rise of America," that's out uh, July 12th. And uh, you know, I just, uh, you know, I, I, I
0: just do stuff. Yeah. We're gonna jump into the book in just one second here, but then take me back then to the beginning of your father and thank you for your service. And take me back to the beginning of Please, I
1: was a colonel, I didn't
0: do anything. Come on. Take me back to the beginning of your fatherhood journey then. About how old were you when you first became a dad and how did that experience change your perspective on life? Oh geez. I was
1: God, forty? Because I didn't get married till I was thirty-eight. It just never occurred to me to. Um and I, I think that uh, in, in retrospect, I think one of the things we got to do in society is to move back to early twenties marriage. Um, I think that makes a lot more sense. Uh, not that I'm particularly unhappy about the way it turned out for me, but I think as society, uh, you know, we we raise people, we tell we we send them to college or to jobs and tell them that's that's going to be the important thing, and then you know they get around to the things that actually start to matter uh 10 years after they should so i'm i'm, I'm kind of a believer and I, I talk about it in the book uh that uh, as a society we need to move away from that uh the idea is that 20 should be your party time well i'm actually having a pretty good time now <laughs> i i mean i i i certainly have a better time than i had in my 20s i had a pretty good time in my 20s um so I think, I think society should move towards earlier families, and there are ways to do that.
0: Well, I agree with you there, Kurt, and it's interesting too that we just you know, passed the 4th of July and how many of the signers of the Declaration of Independence were in their early 20s. I mean, these were guys yeah. that were we would consider too young in our society to do anything but go and party on the weekends and they weren't doing that then. They were more responsible, it seemed, they had a, a better education than it seems like we have right now going on in this country, and I wanted to jump into those parts of the book, uh, We'll Be Back, The Fall and Rise of America. I talk on this show all the time, Kurt, about the following father- crisis, the brokenness of our nuclear family units, I point to that. I think, in my opinion, it's the number one issue, societal issue that we have facing our country, and it is at the nucleus of all these other social issues that are just revolving around it. So do you address that in the book? What's your thought on the fatherless crisis in America?
1: No, I I think you're absolutely correct. And I think we need to, uh, as a society, stop pretending that alternative family systems are are somehow a replacement for the traditional nuclear family? They're not. It's it, 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 and and we keep seeing the results of it. Uh, if you go to prison and sh- ask for a show of hands, uh, how many were raised with a, uh, a you know a, a, a father in the house? You won't see many hands. It, it, the thing about it, it look, I, I I was an army officer. My job was to control the anger and aggression of young men. Okay, It was to direct them to go kill people, but also to direct them not to go kill people. Uh, young men are volatile, and we, we see that. Uh, we see that when they go off the rails, as we saw in uh, uh, Illinois the other day. Uh, they can be extremely dangerous. That needs to be moderated, and that's what traditional families have done for, for millennia. You know, mothers have a role, fathers have a role, society has a role. Uh, and that energy needs to be sent somewhere, and unfortunately, our message to young males is, first of all, you know, you're bad because you're male, and you can't, and traditionally male things, uh, you can't do them because that makes you a bad person. Uh, a male wants to create and to destroy. That's what males do. They build and they wreck. And uh, both of those are important things, by the way. Uh, when in in general do other things. The the the, the problem is uh, so much of the uh, society's institutions, particularly schools, has become gynocentric. It's become all women, and the women part of the equation is is, is hugely important. It's fifty percent of it. But if it's a hundred percent of it, you've got somebody being sent messages and 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 guided by someone who can't fully understand what it is to be male so that's a problem and you have alienated young men they 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 surround themselves with video games and pornography they have no they they're not inclined to do anything to achieve anything sad
0: yeah, we're we're really living in the time of the beta male. It seems as if though, because masculinity has come under attack. Uh, men are just been, you know, as far as it used to be, and even today, when you were, like, my wife stayed at home to raise our children until you know they became old enough. Now she has a, a part time job yes. o- over at a local church. But Same you with know my mom. Right, this this that used to be the norm. You know what I mean? That that, that the men were the ones that were making the money and yeah. providing for their families, and the moms was and now it's looked at so low, like like almost like women are ashamed to say, "Oh, I'm a stay at home mom." Is well, it some kind of negative thing to that?
1: You know, my my wife, who was a uh, teacher, probably the highest paid school district in America, uh, announced as soon as she was uh, pregnant, "I'm not going to work," and I thought that was a little odd, but I didn't argue with her, uh, and. You know, the thing is she's it's not like she's sitting home eating bonbons. She's very busy, she's always doing something. Uh you know, attending to a family is a full-time job. And uh that that's what she did. Uh and I think a lot of women are jealous of that. Uh now it it, it had some requirements on me. I had to, you know, I I had to work a lot. And uh, you know, I I don't apologize for that. That is the price. That's what you have to do if you're going to support a family, particularly in a place like California where everything's super expensive. Um, you know, one person's going to have to work a lot, so the other person can stay home and focus on other things. And um, I, I, I do think, I, I, I do think a lot of women are, 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 are kind of jealous of her because she didn't have to work. And uh, you know, I've been lucky enough to have you know opportunities to do okay. Uh, and we, we have the ability to do what we want, which is nice. Um, but, uh, I, I think, I think people are going to have to, you know, early on, I mean, there were a lot of sacrifices. I mean, I just, you know, we didn't take vacations for years because my vacations were going off to the army, you know, and other people, you know, we're going to, you know, we're going to Switzerland or whatever. Okay. Well, that wasn't us for a while. Now I just sent my daughter graduated from high school and my wife off to paris uh, because now we can that's another thing a delayed gratification. you've got to be able to say okay i'm I'm looking ahead and uh you know we've been able to weather various storms and things because we've we've done we've done that uh, and I think that uh, that also applies to the country. These are values the country should have too. unfortunately, we have a very immature leadership, a ruling class. It's essentially grown children, uh, a bunch of uh, like a bunch of trust fund babies who inherited our culture and our society. They didn't build it. They have no real understanding of it. They were just kind of handed to it. And of course, when you're handed something, you don't appreciate it.
0: There's no doubt about that. That that has been uh, the case all throughout history here, Kurt. But another, another big issue, like I say, uh, one would be obviously the breaking down of the family unit. Another one is the education system in this country yes. has completely fallen apart. I mean, I, I would argue that it, it is up there as far as one of the major causes – Uh, For the decline here in America. And I would say, you now with your kids, how important is it for you to send your kids to college? Is college necessary? Uh, Is it doing more harm than good in this country? What's your take on sending kids to college? Do you address Uh, uh, it in the book?
1: I refuse to buy into the uh, college scam. I don't mind, I I approve of education. Look, I I went to traditional rap. I went high school. And I went UC San Diego, which is now a really prestigious school, and I managed to weasel my way in uh, forty years ago. Uh, but uh, uh, and then I, you know, went to grad school and then went to uh, uh, grad school again through the military. Um, so I kind of had a traditional thing. The traditional thing, I think, is dying. First of all, the kids understand the cost benefit thing. And the question is, you know, am I going to take a two hundred thousand dollar loan to get a basket weaving degree? And they're not doing it. Um, a a uh, uh, a lot, you know. Still, people still go the traditional route. But the problem with the traditional route, besides the money, is also the wokeness and the fact that you're not getting much of a value. You know, you know what the you know what your hardest day at Harvard is? It's the day you apply, because as soon as you get the as soon as you get the uh, acceptance you're done you're in you're in the club some people flunk out of harvard but you practically have to try if you want to get through you're going to get through then you're going to be you know have a harvard degree and you've got a a glide path if you want it um so in that way you have people who have worked hard but yet they haven't really worked and they haven't really had to i think some people take advantages of college at uh, college, I, I, I literally have almost no recollection of my classes. But I worked on the papers, and I wrote and wrote and wrote. And I worked in a, I got an internship in Congress, and I went and did that. Those are the things I remember. Oh, and the partying. Um, that's another thing. I'm not sure a lot of people are really thrilled about sending their kids away to a drug and booze uh, uh, fest. Uh, you know, I mean, that just sort of... You know, a, a landlocked booze cruise uh, with hookups, and of course the uh, ever-present risk of having your life ruined because some girl who you uh, got together with decides retrospectively that uh, she didn't consent, even though she appeared quite eager in the mo- heat of the moment. Um, so I think, uh, look, academia has got to be re- uh, has got to be changed. Uh, it has become a subsidized sanctuary for. Uh, Basically, communists, bums, losers, uh, on the faculty and and the administration. Uh, we need to end student loans, or at least government approved student loans. If you can go convince Bank of America to lend you thirty grand to get a degree in gender studies, more power to you. Uh, and you can bankrupt out of it. So if they want to take that risk, fine. But uh, I, uh, uh, I, uh, you know, what we have now is unsustainable, and the kids are already leading the way. Uh, Yeah, a lot go to regular four-year college. A lot will go to uh, community college. uh, A lot will uh, maybe not go to college. And these are becoming viable options, even though the schools still want you to do the traditional path.
0: Yeah, I think we're still getting that same message, but it's just a different world. I've had so many different uh, entrepreneurs on this show, and and they'll say they'll be the first to say they don't even look at where you went to college. It's not even important to them when they're thinking about hiring. To,
1: to me, it's actually when I'm hiring a, as a lawyer. I remember I had a person with a Dartmouth degree who wanted to come in and be a clerk during law her law school, and you know Dartmouth pretty pretty prestigious. Comes in, and, you know, the first day she's 15 minutes late. Now it's kind of hard to find parking at my building. I get. It. So we, we interviewed, two of, two of the partners interviewed her. And we said, you need to come back and you to talk to the third partner. She was 15 minutes late again. Third partner met her at the door and said, no. And she said, what? She said, no, you, you we're not going to interview you. But but I went to Dartmouth. Yeah, I know. But you, you were late twice. You don't get to interview. And she's stunned. No one ever said no. No one ever had a standard. I was just staggered. And this was not like a right wing partner. This was a fairly liberal partner, and um, you know, it, 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 I, I, how do you come out of uh, how do you come out of what's uh, what you call a prestigious university, and you don't even know to be where you need to be on time.
0: Yeah, I think, Kurt, too, a lot of the problem is, too, there's there's never any consequences for the actions. I mean we see that with people being let out of prison time and yes. time again uh, for, for offenses. It's a big part of the problem. But I also wanted to say, yeah, the college, I think, is one problem, major problem there. But now it's gotten into the grammar school age where yes. everything has changed. I just recently had Governor Ron DeSantis on the podcast here because I think he's one of the most pro-family yep. uh, people in politics. And I love the fact that he's avoiding those conversations from happening with our little kids, there has been a big infiltration of these people that seem to want to teach sex to children that are in kindergarten, first and second grade. And to me, the fact that we're even having these conversations is, is very, very alarming and very, very scary. Look, they
1: they like much of the uh, uh, institutional establishment, they think that, that the institution belongs to them rather than to the people. And they're just found kind of the stewards. Uh, So they use it for their own perverted ends. Some of them uh, uh, just love the narcissism, talking about how, you know, I'm a two-spirit, non-binary, gendered, furry, otherkin, you know, and getting attention from little kids, which is bizarre and psychotic. Uh, Others are just flat-out pedophiles, okay? There's never a good reason to talk about sex to somebody else's kids. There literally is no reason to, unless you're investigating a sex crime. Okay, as a cop, and you got another cop in the room with you. Okay, it is um, uh, the the, the fact that they have uh, made this kind of standard operating procedure, uh, I think is going to motivate us to get these, you know, freaks out of our system. The, The thing is, they kept pushing and pushing, they didn't get any pushback, and then they crossed the kid line. Okay. When you're trying to have sex with my kid, that's war, all right. You don't you don't get to do that. And they, they and of course, like you said, they, these are people who've never no one's ever said no to them, and we're saying no. I write about that a lot in the book.
0: Well, you, one of the things about your book is that it's gonna it provides uh, you know a solution here, hope. For the people that are just seeing this country, really just the culture of it rotting from the inside out here. Well, I know you can't get into too much of it, but what is a piece of the solution here? What is the hope uh, that this country gets turned around and back to good?
1: Well, I think we're seeing the hope in a lot of ways. The the Glenn Youngkin victory in blue Virginia. It's not purple state. It's a blue state uh, where families said, look, you're not going to put the CRT garbage on our kids. You're not going to put your perverted garbage on our kids. Uh, and you're not going to have these bizarre COVID restrictions designed to allow fat union people not to work. We are going to uh, we're we're going to uh, uh, throw the Democrats out, and they did, and it was stunning. And of course, Democrats didn't listen. Remember, the Democrats are uh, they're almost religious at this point about their bizarre ideology, so they can't backtrack. You, somebody like Bill Clinton, Bill Clinton, who didn't believe anything. If liberalism doesn't work it, he'd moderate. Okay? Happy to. And that's why he was a great politician. Not my favorite politician, but, you know, I'm a military guy. You have to uh, accurately assess your opponent's skills. And there weren't a lot of guys more skillful than him. And he did very well because he was able to moderate. Liberals can't. Progressives can't today because this is all religious stuff to them. Uh, The other big thing that I'm seeing is... um, uh, the Democrat disappointment over uh, the Latinx vote. Because remember, the uh, the Latinx vote was supposed to be uh, owned by the Democrats. They saw Hispanic Americans as one big block, uh, which, which is absolutely untrue. Uh, but And they also saw them as people who would gladly kind of be a uh, subclass. They, they'd be immigrants forever. They'd never advance. And of course, they all came here to get ahead. So you have all these hardworking, faith-centered, patriotic, uh, family-focused people, and they immediately come to America, start making a better life for themselves, and might move right into the middle class. And then they realize, well, the Democrats don't support us. And the Democrats are like, but, but, but more racism. And most of them are like, you know, there's, you know, the, the fact that my family came from Colombia is the least important thing about it. It's just... You know, it's just an interesting thing, like my family came from Scotland and Germany. Oh, well, that's a fun fact. It means zero in my life. And as you know, as people stay in America longer, it becomes more of a fun fact. My 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 in laws are Cuban. It's a fun fact that they're Cuban. They make really good a rose cone pollo. It's very tasty. They are otherwise indistinguishable from any other American, except they chose to become American, where Americanness was just handed to guys like me. I didn't have to work for it. They did. Therefore, they appreciate it more.
0: Yeah, and Kurt, obviously, the the political atmosphere in this country is very, very toxic. And I, I truly believe that, the, you know, there's Democrats— that do love this country, that don't align with this craziness that is coming out. Uh, You know, it went from like the normal Democrats of that type of, uh, hey, don't ask what your country could do for you, ask what you could do for your country, to now you have uh, men competing in women's sports. I mean, it went completely off the rails. And if you sit down and talk to a a normal Democrat, they don't agree with all of this stuff, talking to kids, taking uh, gender stuff to stop puberty. They don't agree with any of that stuff. This has gotten crazy.
1: That's why we see so many people registering Republican, including yeah, among the uh, Hispanic community. It's fifty-fifty right now. I mean, that's you know, th- this was supposed to be a group that was going to ensure the Democrats had power forever, and of course they wouldn't cooperate because, of course, to do what the Democrats wanted, they had to stay brand new immigrants who hadn't who who couldn't move up, but of course they could. So what were you know? We we talk about the old school Democrats. Uh, the the party has morphed into a party of uh, very poor people looking for handouts, government workers, and faculty lounge types, and neurotic uh, uh, suburban uh, wine moms. And that's that's who it is. And that's uh, you know that's just not fifty percent of the of the of the country. And people will continue voting Democrat by habit. But they will slowly see they have other options. The, they, you know, it's bad for the Democrats that the Hispanic voters are are looking to Republicans and moving there in numbers. When Black Americans start doing it in significant numbers, as is inevitable, because you you have especially you know if you're older and you came up through the civil rights movement and you remember uh, you know LBJ and everything, you know you're probably going to stay Democrat. It's going to be pretty hard for you to move out of the Democrat Party. I get that. But what if you're 21 and you come up and gas is seven bucks a gallon and, you know, you can't you can't get the job you want. And, you know, you go to the store and you can't buy tampons because there aren't any. You're going to say, you know, I I appreciate what mom and grandma think, but these guys aren't doing anything for me. But these Republicans over, You know, it's pretty good under Trump. We didn't have shortages. Gas was affordable. We weren't in any wars. You know, maybe he had some mean tweets. Okay. But, you know, I, and it, it, it's not going to be, uh, you know, white folks who stop the racism nonsense. It's going to be black folks who say, stop telling me everybody's racist because that, that, that's not helping me. That's not getting me where I want to go. All right. You can, yeah, it doesn't make me feel better to excuse your inability to perform by saying, well, you know, the racists are keeping you down. Well, you can't seem to fix it, because the problem never changes. So I'm going to give these other guys, I'm going to give this Ron DeSantis guy a try, because it looks pretty good, and frankly, I don't understand why you need to have drag queens uh, in uh, uh, classrooms anyway.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I,
1: when, I, when you see that movement in a significant amount, you get 20, 25% of black Americans becoming open to the Republican Party, which will happen. Democrats, as currently constituted, are doomed. <clears throat>
0: Yeah, Well, ho- hopefully there's a uh, some type of solution here that points us away from having a drag queen in a kindergarten classroom. I think it's just so much of this stuff has gotten so far beyond the realm of craziness. And yeah. when you have the family unit, as I mentioned, already destroyed, and now you have these people with free access to your children, uh, it-, it is a nightmare recipe waiting to happen. Yeah. Uh so uh we'll we'll be back to Fall and Rise of America. I'm gonna put the link in the description of the podcast episode so my listeners can go and check it out. Let me bring it back into you as a dad for a minute here, Kurt. What type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with?
1: Well, my my look, I I am an army colonel. And you know, when I say something, I expect people to do it, and that doesn't necessarily happen. And it was it was very tough when I came back from deployment because I, I was a colonel. And when I said, hey, I need X, Y, and Z to happen, X, Y, and Z generally happened. Doesn't quite work that way. And, uh, uh, and, and that was very, you know, that was very tough on everybody. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I definitely remember, I don't like being told what to do, and I don't particularly enjoy telling people what to do, but you do need to do what you need to do. If it's your job to do the dishes, I expect you to get the dishes done. If you don't get the dishes done, I'm going to point it out. And um, I think think in society there is uh, a lot of pushback against people who are very clear about what they want. And I think sometimes people misunderstand uh, when you're being clear about something. That is, go do the dishes. Why are you yelling at me? I'm not yelling at you. Go do the dishes. Because dishes need to be done, that is your job. Here are my missions over here. Here's your mission. It's doing the dishes. Get the dishes done. And Do it now. You could have chosen to do it earlier, but now you crossed Now, now you waited. Now it's become inconvenient for me, thereby defeating the purpose of doing the dishes. Go do the dishes. And um, I, I don't, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think we have a lot of screaming matches or any of that stuff. Uh, but, you know, teenagers want to do what teenagers want to do. And there are guardrails where there are things that they can't do. Uh, I think I'm pretty lucky. We haven't had problems with, you know, drugs or alcohol or any of that nonsense. Um, so I'm not, I, I'm not going to complain. Uh, I got, I have kids who are healthy, uh, kids who, uh, are pretty responsible. Uh, yeah, sometimes they drive me up the wall. But again I'm an army colonel I probably have a little different vibe than everybody else I like to see things you know just like that and it it and that's not a reasonable always a reasonable way to live because you know civilians are civilians uh so it's kind of incumbent on me not to be uh, uh, expecting everybody to be like in my infantry company or my infantry battalion uh so, I, look, I I see people with real problems. I see people with very troubled kids. I see people with sick kids. I see people with kids with disabilities. Uh, so, uh, I, I don't have complaints. I have relatively minor gripes when it all comes down to it, for which you know I, I, I thank God because there are people who have real problems.
0: Well, well said, Kurt. And, and you know, I, I go through a problem here with the dishes myself. I got two teenagers and a preteen in the house and it's the same no deal over here. Either. I know it. I did my turn in the barrel. It's their time to do them. But hey, listen, as, as you said at the top here, I would love to encourage more people to have kids young in their early 20s. Yeah, get married, I have that's kids. A fair idea. I, I agree with that. But right now, the argument will be made. And I try to come up with reasons to encourage these young guys to start families. People say, why would I want to bring a kid into this world? It's a scary time for parents oh, all over that's the place. Crazy talk. Well, well, this let's is the see. best time ever to be alive. Well, it hit me right now. The last thing I want to hit you, i love to ask all the dads on the podcast. What advice do you have right now for that new dad or for that about-to-be father who's out there listening?
1: Uh, try not to be a jerk. Uh, look, my, my, my job in the military was about exercising power. Don't enjoy exercising power. It's not about you. Power is a tool. Don't be a jerk. I don't know if I've ever, I, I, I don't know if I kept that all the time uh, because I, I definitely have jerk tendencies. But if you can keep yourself from being a jerk and doing things because you're emotional driven uh, rather than uh, results oriented, I think, I think in the long run you'll probably do
0: better. Yeah, very well said. I love the message. This has been a lot of fun for me. Uh, we'll be back. The Fall and Rise of America, link in the description of today's podcast episode. Kurt Schlichter, your First Class Father all the way. And thank you for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood.
1: Hey, thanks for having
0: me. Back to wrap things up here on First Class Fatherhood. i got to give a special thank you once again to Kurt Schlichter for giving me a few minutes of his time here. It was so cool. Please hit me up on Twitter, guys, or drop me that DM on Instagram. Let me know what you thought about today's episode. I always love to read your feedback. Like I said at the top, I've got some big announcements to make here for the podcast. Uh, really, really excited to share it with you, so make sure you lock in into First Class Fatherhood. I'll be dropping the news over the next course of the next couple of weeks. I got some great interviews coming your way soon, so follow me on Instagram at Alec Underscore Lace to find out who they are. That's all I got for you guys today. I'm Alec Lace. Thank you for listening to First Class Fatherhood. And please remember, guys, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers, we are first class fathers. <laughs>